Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How's everybody doing today? Happy Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. So happy to be back on the mic with you guys. I hope you're all doing well. I can't believe we are in the final full week of August and that fall is just around the corner. It's my favorite time of year. I feel like I come alive at the end of August, early September. And if you've been around for a while, you know I've been saying that I feel a really good thing coming for me around this time of year, September, October. And it's tingling. It's tingling, guys. I I feel it. I don't quite know what it's going to be yet, but I I really feel like we're, we're getting closer to something happening in my life that is going to shake it up and while i'm afraid i'm scared because i do have a fear of losing control and a fear of losing my independence i'm excited i'm excited to have the opportunity to feel safe to be soft whether that's with friendships or relationship or just in my business just showing up how i'm truly meant to show up and allowing abundance into my life and the law of attraction and letting it come in because if there is something that I have learned and I've learned a lot of things in the last few years which ooh my birthday episode this year is going to be so good um but you know when you start surrounding yourself with the right people who are in alignment and who are doing what they want to do and they're showing up the way they want to show up it inspires you and it encourages you to do the same thing and having those people in my life and bouncing ideas off of each other and celebrating each other's small wins or when they're having a bad day, giving them space for that bad day and them doing the same for you, it is something so special and it truly just makes it so much more fun to experience life with people around you and I realized that the reason why I always felt so alone is because I was surrounding myself with the wrong people so I didn't want to be around people. But now I'm like dying to be around people. I want to go have fun with my friends and do things with them and be around them as they're doing all the really cool things that they're doing and have them be around me while I do them too because I just want to, I want to learn from them and I want to celebrate and I want to share it with people. And that's why I love having this podcast so much. But also with the fear of losing control and the fear of losing my independence, I've talked about it quite a bit on TikTok and on at nauseum with my friends but i just i think you know there's a saying 90 percent of people have met the person they're gonna end up with by the time they turn 26 just think about that i'm about to turn 26 in three months and yeah like i think i've met a person or i know them they're in my network like six degrees of separation honestly i think my life by now is like four degrees of separation but I know them or they're they're coming like I and they're coming and I can tell they're coming and I think they're in my network I know someone who knows them and I just everyone keeps trying to introduce me to people or people keep coming back into my life and I'm just starting to be really open to the idea of meeting my person and where that is gonna allow me to go with my life when I don't feel that I have to do it all on my own anymore and when I'm safe to feel soft and be soft with them and be wanted and loved and 
bring out my more maternal side because it's there i just don't really let people see it because i don't want to be taken advantage of and then i self-sabotage and don't let people see it at all and i'm just excited for that and i don't know if you guys have seen ticket to paradise with george clooney and julia roberts but there's one lesson meeting your person and building a relationship takes three things the right timing the right person and the right circumstance and if one of those three is not there then it's just it's not gonna work no matter how right the person is or how right the timing is you know whatever like whichever one is not there it it makes a big impact and nothing has ever been more true when i heard that in the movie it really just put into perspective why it hasn't worked out with anybody else also because i didn't want it to and that is something that i'm realizing about myself and i need to do a whole solo pod on all these realizations that i've had about myself in relationships but i just i felt called to share that today because i am finally feeling like i am open to everything that is coming my way and i've been feeling that september was gonna be my month and that feeling is here i really genuinely feel like this is gonna be my month and i'm so excited for being able to share with you guys and to see what happens as as it all unfolds but i have a really exciting guest for you this week so before we dive into her my suck of the week is that i sprained my ankle mini golfing so that hurts it's a really nasty bruise and it's honestly a really embarrassing story because i just didn't see the ledge and it was a really good shot but i couldn't finish the game so that one's that sucks that's a bummer and my sweet of the week is truly my friendships and my network being so incredibly supportive and encouraging and uplifting and i just have fun with them and i'm so excited that i have these people in my life now and i can't imagine not having them in my life anymore and i also can't picture having not had them in my life you know so just my suite is just spending time with them and looking for ways to hang out with them whether it's co-working or drinks or happy hour or brunch or just a phone call to check in i'm just so so grateful for my friends and I wouldn't imagine having a life without them and I hope you guys find your people too. And now let's talk about this week's guest, Society 18's founder Pamela Zapata and I love having a fellow Latina on the show. Last week we had Alejandro, this week we have Pamela and I just, you know, it wasn't my goal to have Latin people on the show, like that's that's a byproduct, it's a plus. But it is extra special and exciting when I get to have fellow Latinos on the show and share their stories and their experiences and learn from them. And hopefully you guys can learn from them too. I'm so excited to have Society 18's founder, Pamela Zapata, on the show. She has a really cool career, which we dive into. She is the owner of a talent management and marketing agency, but she started off in radio PR, working with Ryan Seacrest and then at E! News and she used to work in development of TV shows and she probably has worked on a TV show you and I know and love but it is such a cool avenue to approach talent management and marketing for talent and 
you know, knowing the back end of things. And we, we talk all about that and how she got into jobs at such renowned companies that everybody knows through internships and networking in college. I love getting to connect with people who do pretty much what I do or very similar things to me because I always learn so much that I could add into my business, different ways to approach new clients and new business and you know, rework my systems and project and processes and models and all of that fun stuff. So there's a lot of really great advice in here for all types of entrepreneurs, but especially anyone who wants to work with talent and do marketing or PR or work in the influencer space or in radio, in television, in reality TV, that kind of thing. There's a lot of great info in here and I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show, share with a friend, tag us as you're listening. Let me know who you want to see next, what topics you want me to cover next, and I will see you guys in next week's episode. Meet Pamela. So Pamela, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you? Um, They wouldn't know that I'm actually super private. I feel like Social media is an outlet for me to showcase my business and my work and fun podcasts that I'm doing and all my travels, but I don't really share a lot about like my family or my dating life um, on there. So I feel like people just think that I'm an open book, but I'm not really. (laughs) I feel like that's starting to become a lot more common. And it's something that I've talked about myself with my friends is like, as I've gotten older, I share a lot less than I used to. Like I still share a lot of my life, but yeah. I share a lot less of it now as, you know, career-wise, like one work, like I can't talk about certain things and also yeah. like dating and relationships. Like you'll see that I'm out with my friends and family, but like they're not really like you, people don't know who they are. And like I like yeah. that. I like that mystery. I like having my private life be private, but then, you know, I want to share the big moments. I think it's nice. It's something you can keep to yourself and you know, especially like if you're dating, you, you know, people are so nosy if you're like dating someone for six months and then you stop posting them. And then, then they're oh, like, yeah, oh my I, God, I they can't count they break. the amount of times that I'm like, I think they, like, I'll literally just be like some random person that I don't actually know. I'd fall like, oh, I think so-and-so broke up with their boyfriend. And they're like, Why? yeah, I'm yeah. Everyone all- like, I don't, I don't want people to like know what's going on around here. Yeah. 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 So I feel like it's kind of nice to keep that separate because then no one knows what's really going on for me, at least until I'm like engaged and I'm like sealing the deal. But, oh yeah. yeah. I joke that you won't know who my husband is until like I'm at the altar. <laughs> Yeah, literally same. <laughs> I don't in theory I don't think that'll be true, but like pretty pretty damn close to it. That's funny. But yeah, so you own and run Society 18, which is a talent influencer management agency. How did you get into the influencer space? How did you know you wanted to start a business and in, in this space? Yeah. So I um I started my career working in like TV production and development and I went to school for journalism. So for me, I've always been interested in like storytelling, which is how I ended up working in like unscripted reality TV. Uh, and I started working in casting, started my career working at Ryan and Seacrest Productions in like development, then went to work at E! in casting. And I just realized like, even though I didn't want to be a journalist myself, I love to give people a platform to tell their stories. So that's kind of how I made my way working with like talent. Um, and so when I was at E! I saw this massive shift of, you know, instead of wanting to book a traditional talent for hosting opportunity or show, they wanted to look at YouTubers and Instagram influencers, which was like, at that time, almost 10 years ago now, kind of new. 
And so when I left EA, I worked at a, um, a digital management company for a couple of months. And then I went to a startup where like Musical.ly was like really exploding, which before TikTok, it was Musical.ly. Then they did the rebrand. Um, and then also we saw obviously during COVID, it just blew up. Um, but yeah, from that, I went to an agency, worked in influencer marketing, oversaw, overseeing influencer marketing for Unilever. Um, so working on their personal care brands, so Dove, Suave, um, Tresemme, Simple, and just handling all of their casting, negotiations, contract execution, and reporting. And then I went to another agency where I was overseeing the Estee Lauder business. And I just realized there was a, a lot of creators that didn't realize what they could be charging for certain scopes of work. There was a lot of creators that didn't have representation, especially creators of color, Latina creators and Black creators. And I just wanted to help them monetize their businesses. And so I quit, um, which is like the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, um, which you can tell any like entrepreneur that like, it's pretty much like terrifying because you're just taking a leap of faith. And I started it with like four or five clients. And then since then it's been four years uh, and we have 35 clients, we have a team of seven, and it's been really great to see just the growth and to do work that I feel like is fulfilling and like helping women and men who look like me, you know, monetize their business and not have to work um, for someone else. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that how it started out for you. I feel like that's such a unique place. I know a lot of people who have started a business like this, myself included, that were influencers themselves. And that's how they got into it. Um, but it's cool seeing it come from the like the behind the scenes side of it, the mm-hmm. development and casting. And I really want to quickly touch on that. Like, how did you get into those roles? Like, I know you were a journalism major, so maybe through school, like an internship. But how did you get into like Ryan Seacrest Productions and then E! News for anyone who's interested in that career path? Yeah, so I um, went to Emerson College in Boston, which is like a really big school for theater and like marketing communications. So I majored in broadcast journalism and then I minored in marketing, PR and advertising. And I just did a ton of internships at school because I just wanted to make sure that like I knew what I was going to want to do once I graduated. I feel like people don't sometimes don't really understand the importance of internships, but like that's how you cultivate relationships and that's how you get experience outside of just like your coursework. So I was a little psychotic and did like six or seven internships. Um, but what I gained from that was just a ton of experience working in production, working, um, editing audio, editing video. I worked at the school TV station. I worked at the school radio station. And then through Emerson, they have a really strong alumni program. So there was internships that I got through um, school just by, you know, having the experience that I got through like my coursework and also just applying and applying myself and just like me being very vocal in terms of like what I want to do. And I interned at like ESPN, I entered at Disney Channel, I entered at uh, P- the PBS station, which is like the local station. Um, and then I worked at iHeartRadio. Like I just made sure that I could do as many internships as possible so that my resume was stacked even before I left and graduated. And that then helped me land these roles at these, you know, because it's super competitive moving to LA. Emerson has an LA program. And so I did that my last semester and my last two internships were at Disney Channel and Univision. And then through one of my courses, I met a segment producer who was working at E who came to speak to us about career and advice. And I just made sure to stay in contact with her. And she got me an internship at E at the time, Ryan, Ryan Seacrest had his uh, production offices in the same building because he was doing E news. 
And so when my internship finished at E, uh, they weren't hiring, but Ryan was hiring an assistant. And that's kind of how I made my way in there. And then I just, you know, you do good work and you, you know, make sure you maintain your relationships and um, never burn any bridges. And I feel like, you know, you can really manifest things. Yeah, that's so cool. I think in a, if I hadn't gone to law school, I think I would have ended up doing something very similar to you and doing I even thought about it. Like I was a, I went into college as a poli sci major. And then I was like, once I got, I was on a campaign, um, a 2016 election. And I was like, yeah, I don't like, I really don't like politics that much. Like I I enjoy it, but like, I don't want to be, I don't want to work in it. And I don't want to be a politician. I always like the strategy and the policy side of things. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do like, I'm going to broaden up my horizons a little bit and do like legal studies. Cause like, I'm probably going to go to law school. And I, then I grad, I could have graduated a whole year early. And I was like, do I want to stay for a fourth year of college? Mm-hmm. And the only minor that I was considering was like journalism. Cause at PR, if I wanted to do ad PR at my school, cause we, I was in Orlando. So like with Disney and ESPN world, uh, wide world of sports, like that would have been where I could have gone but I would have had to stay another, an additional year. And I was like, I don't want to do a fifth year if I can graduate in three. So I was like, mm-hmm. let me not go for that extra minor, but I wish I, honestly, I kind of wish I would have, because I think that would have helped me a lot. And I, I, I think in a past life, or if I hadn't gone this route, I think I would have done like PR or like journalism or something like that. And I think development casting, like that would have been really fun. And I think I would have ended up in the exact same place I am now. Cause it, yeah. Really what yeah. <laughs> um, but that's such a, I, I love that that was your path through it. And I 100% agree, like, where, like, the connections you make in college and in grad school and any internships that you are able to get, you don't know where you're going to get those internships. Like, mm-hmm. for you, it was someone who came talk to your class. You know, for me, it was people I met at frat parties that got me jobs <laughs> on campaigns and with funders. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm glad I did this to now. I know like, this isn't what I want to do, but I yeah. made really great connections with them. Um, you never know who you're going to meet and fostering those connections and building those relationships. And you just never know where they're going to lead. I think that's so, so important. And yeah, burning bridges. It, it's hard. I especially like, I don't know about you, but for me, the Latina temper sometimes, like I just get really frustrated with people when yeah. <laughs> I'm not being yeah. heard. So it, it's hard, but it's so, so important to, to not burn any bridges and to keep that connection. I think that's really cool. Um, Also, complete side note, I was reading, I've been reading this like sports romance series and it's set in Boston. And one of the main characters is she, she works at the TV station for the school and she becomes a journalism major. So that was like popping in my head as you were talking. (laughs) Um, But that's so cool. I I think it's important too, like what you said, like even the bad internships are so valuable. Like I appreciate all the bad internships that I had that, you know, even though I didn't enjoy the work, it still showed me what I didn't want to do. And I and think that's, that's just so much, Yeah, I honestly think it's more important to know what you don't want, whether it's career or a relationship. Like they're very, they're actually like very, there's a lot of parallels. Like what you don't want with the type of work environment that you don't want, the type of managers that you don't want, the type of manager you don't want to be when you hopefully yeah. one day are a manager yourself. Or you choose to open your own business and then you're the one making the hiring decisions, the kind of team you want to run, the kind of team you want to be on. All of that is so important. And you learn that like every experience, good, bad, or ugly, you learn from it, I think. And that's the best thing about internships is that, you know, 
there's a lot of room for development and growing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we sh- they should be paid more, yeah. very least. But like, that's a whole other conversation. But I think you get so much out of it. And there's so much value in internships, not just working to make money. But I also understand that that's sometimes really hard for people. So I think yeah. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that. But yeah, how did you know like okay I want to start my own thing and finding your first few clients you said you started off with three four clients how did you get those clients how did you either bring them with you from where you were at before or like talk about like that decision to open your own agency and starting off with clients yeah so I think I had always known that I wanted to start my own business I don't really know what it was that I wanted to do but I think like over the years of working I started kind of narrowing down like, oh, I could see myself, you know, starting my own company. And then when I started working with influencers, I remember one agency was like telling me that in order to keep my role, I had to close, I don't know what it was, maybe a couple hundred thousand in deals. And because I basically have to cover my salary. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like if I ever decided to go on my own, I could probably do that if I had this amount of clients and making X amount of money and whatnot. So the seed planted earlier on. And I think through time, I kept just kind of stacking my resume with experience so that, you know, once I did go on on my own, I could provide like some sort of like strategy and thought leadership and actual be actually be able to help these creators from like all the things that I've learned on the brand, working on the brand side, working on the agency side. and so. Uh, what I, when I really started seeing it was like towards like right before, like maybe two or three years before I started where there was just like a lot of content creators of color that when I asked them for their rates were coming in way lower than, you know, Caucasian, uh, creators and then creators that had management even. And so for me, I'm like, all right, there's a huge opportunity here because, you know, I asked for their rates and the budget's this and their rates are here. So, you know, me working on the brand side, I'm like, all right, I could get two instead of one. Versus that creator just really understanding that they could charge double or triple what they actually, you know, um, sent me for scopes of work. And so for me, I wanted to do something a little bit more fulfilling. And so um, I had just been really vocal with my coworkers and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to start my own thing. Like if you have any creators that maybe want help consulting on the side, I feel like I should just start doing that. So I started doing that maybe six months before I actually quit. And I was just helping some creators like negotiating their deals and helping them with contracts and uh, then I got to a point with my, with my job where it was just burning out and I was just so tired and I couldn't do it anymore. Cause I was doing that during the day. And then my kind of side hustle at night and on the weekends. And I was like, all right, well, what do I need to do to be able to do this full time? How many clients do I need? Cause I was working with like three at the time. So I ended up, um, reaching out to a, a few other creators, two more came on board two, and then two more came through referral. And so I ended up having six or seven my first year. And then I kind of did the math. I'm like, all right, if I close, let's say half a million in deals, that's a hundred K and I can pay myself a six figure salary. And, and actually within that first year, I was able to hit 500 K in deals and hit my first six figure salary by myself. And then at that point that gave me the confidence to really be like, all right, let me, let me really do this. And so after that, I got a lot of referrals. Like even the first couple of years, we built the business through referrals, like 90% of our creators came through word of mouth. And so that really helped kind of build. And then I hired my first campaign manager to kind of work under me and execute while I negotiated. And then we got more clients and then I got another campaign manager. So it kind of just grew from there. But um, it was just, it's crazy because it's been four years now. And I'm like, I feel like I just 
started it, but then also feel like it's been such a long road. (laughs) Just crazy. No, that's incredible. I think there's so much value in that, like starting off, like you said, like the seed was planted and you were slowly building it up over time, preparing for, for inevitably going off on your own. You knew you were going to do it. You were just preparing yourself, setting yourself properly, doing the business side of things behind the scenes, and also making sure that you were going to be able to, you know, profit and pay yourself because it's super important to pay yourself you know, right out of the gate. And also that you are able to, you know, pay the bills and make sure that it's all running smoothly. And the calculations that you did of like, how much I need to make to be able to cover this salary. And like, I I have, I've done that myself. Like that is bringing back memories. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's it, that strategy, that plan that you had is so, so important. And, you know, I think if you have an idea, you have to just go for it. And you did. And then you, you, you really took the time to build it out. And when you were ready to make that leap, like it was, it was a lot more seamless for you because you had that, that backup plan, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I could relate to being burned out and, you know, wanting to go and pursue your own thing, but like, oh, I need this job or I need this money or whatever. Like yeah. it's hard. It, I'm, I'm at that boat right now. You know, I, I I I get exactly like where you're at, but I think look at what you've built in four years. It's pretty pretty damn cool. Thank um, you. What are the types of things you look at when you're bringing on new clients? Like now, you said, like word of mouth. A lot of people would come to you when you were going through these emails of people coming to you. Like, what would you look for in bringing on new clients? Yeah. So following is like the first thing, making sure that they have at least like 40 minimum thousand followers on Instagram for us at the time. Um, Even now TikTok's blowing up. So like usually like a hundred K minimum on TikTok, Um, looking at their engagement, how often are they posting? What type of content are they posting? Uh, Is their content high quality? And then most importantly, like, are, do they have brand partners? Usually like for us to bring on talent, they already have to have some sort of established business because, you know, if they're making $10,000 a year, it's not worth the investment for us. So usually we have like a six figure minimum threshold in terms of revenue, um, just to make sure that it makes sense for us because we have to, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in creating the marketing materials for them, pitching them out, trying to bring them deals as well. Um, so those are just all things that we look at and just making sure that, um, you know, if there's some, do they have like the it factor, whether it's like personality or super beautiful polished content, because now we see brands are using influencer content for not just social, but like in-store and billboards. And we've seen them used so many different ways, which is really important. So making sure the content quality is there, seeing if they've created like a community of followers that like love them and trust them, any conversion data, like can they sell? There's some creators that, you know, have Amazon storefronts and, you know, whether it's reward style, I like to know it, link out every single outfit they wear and people are buying it. And that's super valuable for a brand, which helps us when we're pitching because we can actually prove that this creator can actually sell. Um, So those are just some things we look at. Also, just like being easy to work with and like a good person. I think fundamentally, like if you check off all those boxes and you're not fun to work with or we don't want to work with you because you have unrealistic expectations or you're just difficult we don't we don't love that so I think it's just making sure that all those things align yeah that's a hundred percent the personality fit is so so important like the numbers can be there but if yeah I, I ha- I've had potential clients where they redline the entire 
management contract. And I was like, yeah, I already don't like this. Like this is giving me <laughs> bad vibes, bad vibes. Yeah. Or just, yeah, like for other reasons. So I think that's such an important note. And yeah, that I, I agree too, that they, they have some brand partnerships coming in is super important because it's really like, we see these influencers shilling out brand partnerships all day long, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into like whichever way it comes in, whether it's you pitch out or they like the brand reaches out to them from them reaching out to a contract being signed can take weeks. Yeah. yeah so there's- like, there's just a lot going on behind the scenes that people don't realize as just consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so just imagine like how many deals are being worked on all at once and yeah the conversations that are being had and that's why it's so important that like there's some already coming in in the event that the ones that you're pitching out to don't work out or if a brand deal falls through for whatever reason um so yeah that's super important trying to think of other questions like what is when you or when you were building out your team like you said you brought in a campaign manager to start helping you out what did you look for when hiring people to be under you? Like, did you want them to have agency experience or contract experience or experience in the industry? Were you going to teach them what they need to know? How did you build out the team? Yeah, I, it's so interesting because even my first hire reached out to me and was like, I love what you're doing. I want to help. I want to work for you. And for me, I didn't even really need realize that I needed her until she came into my life. And I was like, you know what? I actually could use some help. And she had come from another management company. So she already knew what we did. I think for me, like experience obviously is important. Um, I didn't have time to like, like completely train her on the job. So it was great that she already knew what the job was. And obviously there was things that I could help her with and train her on, like in terms of like processes and procedures. But I think like the fundamental job she already knew how to do, which was super helpful. Um, So that I always look at like resume experience, how long have they been in the job? Um, and then personality fit is also super important. Like whether it's a client or a team member, like always making sure that you can mesh with them. Cause we spend so much time with our team members, um, more than, you know, sometimes even our families. So I think it's important to have team members that you like enjoy spending time with also just passion for the work that we do. I think, you know, when work gets crazy and busy and, overwhelming I think for me my passion for the work that we do is always the one that's what drives me and I want my team to feel the same way and care about the work that we're doing and work with creators that appreciate the work too so I think passion um, is really important Um, obviously qualification education you know where do they go to school what internships do they have I always look at that to see you know they apply themselves um, and then just like understanding like career goals, like what do they want to do? Where do they see themselves? Or do they, do I feel like I could see them here long-term? Um, I think those are all like really great things. And then I always call the references just to make sure like there's no, you know, random things that come out that I would have never expected, but yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I feel like not many people really call references anymore. Like oh. how important is this actually? And I think, I don't know. I think it depends on the person. Like if you get a gut feeling from them, then for sure call. I think mm-hmm. that's totally like personality dependent on how the interview went and like what the team is looking for. But it's funny that you mentioned like that, that you do make sure to do that. I feel like that's something that people forget to do or just don't yeah. take the time to do. But you did mention like resume and internships in school. What kind of like 
majors and kind of like career backgrounds do you look for in hiring people? Let's say like they don't have any experience in the industry, but like you, you like them as a person, you can see them being part of it. They have the passion, but like maybe like the resume isn't really there. Like what, what do you look for when that, in that case? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's tough. You know, like I feel like uh if there's no like relevant either coursework or experience but they're really passionate like depending on the person I would be open to like super entry level starting them just like from the very beginning if they were really eager to learn and I knew that they were going to be invested in the work like I would potentially make that sacrifice um but just um typically I look for some sort of coursework some sort of relevant internship experience or work experience um, we have a, a really strong internship program. Like we've hired two of our interns already and are in the process of hiring a third. So I feel like that for us is like a great way to vet because they can, you know, uh, come in and just learn from like the ground up. And then we can see the type of work that they do and real, decide whether or not they're going to be with us long term based off of how passionate they are, the work that they do. Uh, so I feel like always like your internships like I said the good ones make sure you do good work because you never know when it can turn into a job and the bad ones are still relevant because like then you do the experience and then you can like leave but I think for us um, I always look for for that so making sure that they have some sort of industry experience or you know and if they don't have anything passion and minimum for like the work that we do yeah absolutely and I just it's curious because to me like when I you know wanted to get into this I started off as a blogger myself and then I was in law school and I was sharing my law school experience and I was like let me start posting it on Instagram and TikTok and and I was late to the game posting it on TikTok because I was already a 3L by the time like there's people start off as 1Ls and they've blown up and I started off like mostly already in bar prep so I, I missed the boat on that one but like I was starting to people brands wanted to work with me people were interested and I was like oh like I can like do something with this like I could use my contract skills and like be a lawyer for influencers this is okay like this is kind of what I want to do um but everyone thought I was crazy because like that's not a career that's not an yeah yeah like it's it's I I, kind of it's cool that you like you look for relevant industry experience because so many people say they want to do it but then they don't really know what it entails they don't know what it goes on behind the scenes they don't know what you need like the skills you need but Mm. I think so I was curious like what kind of you know relevant experience what kind of majors do you look at that would give someone that experience because for me like I was not a marketing major at all Mm -hmm. I was legal studies I my background was contracts but because I was an influencer first and I had seen a contract already as an influencer myself, then also reviewing what makes up a good contract, what makes a bad contract, how to litigate a contract in schools. Like, okay, like I can, I want to lean into this and pursue this. I'm just curious what you look for. I think obviously typical communications major, marketing major, public relations major or minor, um, major or minor, you know, broadcast journalism, even like film production, TV, like something in that realm I think is helpful because I know that the coursework will be relevant to some sort of like content that's content creation or editing or producing or whatever the case is um like for me like similar I mean I was a broadcast journalism major and I minored in marketing just like as a backup but I feel like most of my experience came from my internships and my work like the coursework was great but like 
you know, that, that wasn't really what helped me propel, like help propel me forward. So I also look at those majors. I think like, honestly, if, you know, there was someone that had like a legal studies or poli sci, um, that was still interested in the space and they were doing maybe stuff on the side, if they were an influencer on the side or, you know, shot content for brands. Like, I think that would still make it to the top, depending on like what the role was, because there's some sort of, even if the coursework's not there, there's some sort of experience. And even if like, let's say they were like someone like you, right? Like went to, went to, you know, law school, like that's so relevant. If they want to do contracts, influencer contracts, like, like we can use that. And we would even use someone that had that background and maybe wanted to get them more on the creative side and maybe use them to help with like contract redline and then also social media or outreach or research or whatever the case is. So I think it's like as long as um, there's some sort of either coursework or experience outside, because I know some people are like, well, I went to school for, you know, philosophy and I really want to get into this space and I don't know what to do and how to get in. It's like, all right, find ways that you can either intern or get some sort of experience on the side um, so that you can have something on your resume to show for it. Um, because like, I wouldn't say like, okay, finish your degree and go back to school for, you know, cause it's very expensive. So just like get, figure out like what it is that you want to do and then maybe start entry level somewhere or as an intern somewhere. Um, and then you can make a little bit of a shift without having to like go all the way back to school for a degree that will help you. Cause I'm not going to say that it's useless because it still has value, but it's just can be very costly. You know, student debt is like way through the roof right now. And I feel like experience will always trump um, a degree. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. I think that was something I realized is like, I have a lot of transferable skills from all these different internships and volunteer positions and different things that I've done. Even if on paper, it makes no sense what I'm doing now. All I learned a lot of skills in all those different roles that allowed me to do what I'm doing. And I think it, yeah, it doesn't really matter the degree you get as long as you have some transferable skills from that program. And usually it comes from work experience, from internships and customer service jobs and things like that. And I think, no, I'm a big proponent of like, I mean, obviously I have two degrees, but like having a degree, but also having work experience. I've been working pretty much with the exception of my first year of college, because my parents allowed me to focus on the transition to college and then my first year of law school when you can't work unless you get like a waiver from the ABA I've been working since I was 16 years old and I'm 25 yeah. so like I don't know what to do when I'm not working like I like working yeah. I like making my own money I like having experience I I want to learn that's my that, that is something that I really enjoy and I think there's so much more value in that than just a degree although don't get me wrong I'm a bookworm too I read all day long and I love reading but there's, I think you need both things. So I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. What's yeah. your favorite part? Like the, do you like the creative side more or do you like the contract side more? Like as now that you're, you built out the team and you're kind of like more of the CEO brain versus the, like actually like working in the business. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite part? Do you think? I hate contracts. <laughs> more than I could tell you and like for my first three years I still was overseeing every single contract that came in and I finally hired an attorney who handles all of our contracts bless her soul because the way that I was like I hate doing this and I think that's what's important is like figure out like what you're really really I'm great at contracts though what you're really good at and what you want to do because like yeah. I'm great at contracts but I hate them like you have to enjoy it because they're boring as shit yeah. 
Oh my God. It's awful. <laughs> I bless you guys your soul for doing that because I just, I hate doing them. Um, and I'm, I'm super meticulous. And I think that's why it's like, I can't just like do a simple red line. I always go in, everything has to be defined. Everything has to be. One of my clients laughs at my red lines. Cause like, if I'm like laughing at whatever the brand said, I, I'll like literally put like, LOL, are they really trying to get away with this? She's like, I just, I laugh at your commentary. Cause like, I, I try to make it fun when like I'm reviewing yeah. clients. Yeah. Um, and yeah. But sometimes they're just like, what is going on here? This yeah. Morning? Yeah. I and at the end of the day, like we're just trying to close a deal. Like we don't have like things. I think it's understanding. Like yeah, we want to make sure our, our clients protected, but like the chances of any of these Lanka wood going to court and having to sue like are very, 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 very slim. So I think it's like at the end of the day, there's certain things like we're more firm on like deliverables, scopes of work, making sure that aligns, making sure the compensation, yeah. payment terms, those are most important. The other things we're a little bit looser, looser on, but yeah. Uh, contracts I hate but I love talking to new talent I love like asking talent like how did you start what has your trajectory been what are your goals where do you feel like you need the most help and being able to provide them with like a little bit of ease and strategy um and just like that's what I enjoy the most is like understanding like what do they do um what do they enjoy doing where do they need help how could we potentially help them how can we help them achieve some of their goals? Like that's probably my favorite part of the job. And then like all the other things I just oversee now because I hired like campaign managers and like talent managers. And now we, um, I don't have to do any of those things. But I think the good thing about starting a company from the ground up is that I can do every single person's job. And I think that's super valuable because then when you're interviewing for those jobs, you know what to ask for. Whereas like some CEO and founders haven't done all the jobs and don't really know I mean, obviously, like my my strengths lie in some areas. Like I'm, I can do accounting. Don't want to do accounting. Not great at accounting, but I can do it if I have to. Bookkeeping, all that stuff. Hate doing it. So I hire. I can't do math, so I give you props. I said I could have graduated college in three years. I graduated in three point five. I would have graduated a whole semester early had I not failed math twice in college. <laughs> so I cannot do math. <laughs> I'm fully, I am fully okay with that, and I've accepted it, and it's fine. Um, I remember in law school, one of my professors, so in family law, for like when it comes to prenups and like distribution of assets and child support and child custody and alimony and like those kinds of things, you like and oh, and also like wills and trusts, like how the will gets what percentage like down the line, like. So I remember you have to do math, like, and on the final there was a couple math questions related to that. And I remember him being like, this is the hardest it's going to be on the exam. I'm sorry, guys. I know you went to law school to not ever have to yeah. do math again and everyone <laughs> groans. And it yeah. was just the funniest thing. But yeah, math is not my friend. Um, my mom is my accountant and my dad is my tax planner and like wealth manager and all that. Cause they're both in the like, finance world. And I'm like, that's amazing. My brother did my math homework for me in high school. I He's four years younger than me and did my math homework in high school. Hence, I studied <laughs> math in college twice. I, I <laughs> that community college to pass, um, but it's fine. Um, so no, I feel you on, on like, but yeah, it's so important what you just said about being able to do every single role of the business. Yeah, you don't have to, but you can. One for the hiring per, like part of it, which is what you were talking about. But also I think another thing is like, if something happens and like, for some reason, like there's a, you're hiring for that position because for whatever reason they had to leave or something happened, like you're able to come in and fill that role. And like, 
you can be all hands on deck and help each other out in that collaborative environment. And I think it is so, I enjoy those managers and those bosses that are hands-on and willing to get their hands dirty with me and help me versus like I have boss, I've had, and I have bosses that, you know, it's like, go figure it out. And like, yeah, don't yeah, bother me unless there's a fire. And I'm like, no, like I, the whole point of being a, like in a starting role is to learn and grow. And like, you're not taking yeah. to develop me like I don't want to be here. I think yeah. there's so much value in you being able to do all of those roles. So you can actually, Hey, by the way, like, you know, next time, like, how about trying it this way? Or like, you know, helping them wanting to develop them. And that's something that I talk about with my mom a lot. Um, cause she, in her management role of people that are my age and she's learned a lot from me struggling with that. And then also with like what she has observed as being them at one point and now being the other side of things. So I think that's so, so important. Um, but yeah, I think people don't talk about that enough. Like I can go on and on and on about like bosses and ha- hiring and yeah. delegating and managers. I think it's just, I think it's like at the end of the day, just treat people the way you would want to be treated. Like I remember I, when I first started, I was like a production assistant, which is like bottom of the barrel. And I remember my production manager was just like so mean to me because his production manager was so mean to him when he was a PA. Oh my God, I hate that excuse. That's how I learned. Yeah, and it's like, but you don't need to be like that. I mean, like I definitely built really thick skin and I was like, I think it does try you and you're like, all right, like I can do it. It's valuable, but it's not the most effective. But you don't need to do that to like like prove, you know, that you can handle things. Like there's other ways to be to create a challenging role for someone and watch them triumph over that versus like just beating them down and seeing how they're going to take that mentally and emotionally I just don't think it's necessary it's like treat people the way you want to be treated if you were abused just be different and just be better because at the end of the day like there's no point in just creating these habits that continue to be passed down from role to role to role as you move up and that's what I remember telling myself like never be mean always you know do good work. If someone's like mean to you, just take it on the chin as long as they're not like disrespectful. But like at the end of the day, like take all of that in and realize, all right, that's, those are things. And I think that is important when you're starting to build a team because that you make sure as a, cause there's, there's a difference between being a boss and being a leader. You can be someone could see you as a boss and not respect you and not care about you. But it's like, to be a leader, it's like, to your point, like, all right, where do you need help? Let me drop everything I'm doing to support you and elevate you. And I think that's really important. And I think by having bad bosses and also great bosses, you kind of take the good, leave the bad, and then you can be the best version um, of yourself for that, you know, for your team and for, you know, for anyone that you bring onto the company. Absolutely. What do you think is the, you, I, I love that you just said, like, there's a difference between being a boss and a leader. True words have never been spoken. <laughs> in, in law school, one of my professors runs the Institute of Professional Leadership. And she is, this is something that she, like her scholarship, there's a lot on that. And she has a, there's a, a blog where like different professors and different students write blog posts for, about leadership and their view of leadership. And it's something that she's really passionate about. And I, I love being a part of that project because that's something I, I mean, I always knew that, but like really seeing everyone's philosophy on leadership and management you you realize and that's one other big thing she's like I'm not just teaching you guys to be lawyers I'm teaching you guys how to like be leaders in the community as lawyers 
Um, but what do you think is the hardest thing you have learned in the four years of being an entrepreneur and being a leader and a boss and a manager? Like just overall as an entrepreneur, what do you think the hardest thing has been? I think the hardest thing is like work-life balance. Um, you sacrifice so many things to build a business. You time your mind, your body, your dating life, your family, like all these things that you could be focusing on. You just like, I feel like for me in the first like two to three years, I just put to, to the side and I was just like grind mode. And there was no work-life balance. Like I wasn't really eating well. I wasn't working out. I wasn't dating. I wasn't, it was just like not a good place to be. And it just put so many things in perspective that I was like, all right, I, because I'm a perfectionist and I felt like I had to do all these jobs. I was like, all right, I need to get to a point where I'm hiring people that I can trust so that I can start delegating because this is not sustainable. I'm going to burn into the ground. And then also it's like, what's the point of creating something so amazing if you're not even happy because you're working all the time. And it's like, it just put a lot of things in perspective. So I feel like understanding work-life balance, understanding like, you know, having some ther like therapy is like great. And I think that's something is like asking for help, whether you need it on an emotional level, uh, mental level. Uh, I think like that's really important. So it's like taking a step back and making sure that you're good. I think that's like probably one of the hardest things that I had to like learn. And, you know, like entrepreneurship is not the most beautiful, glamorous journey. Like people see, you know, on my Instagram, like I said, the travel and like all of these amazing things that I get to do. But there was so much sacrifice that is behind that. I mean, you know, going to law school, there's so many things you sacrifice that. Oh, yeah. When you were like literally everything you were just saying, I was like, I, I, I'm currently we could talk about this offline currently going through my quarter life crisis of like, holy shit. Like, I think the reason why I'm freaking out so much about work is because I know that the next chapter of my life is coming where like, I want a family now and I want yeah. a relationship. And I have been fighting that and pushing that away for so long for the sake of my degree and my career. And I have nothing to show for it in that regard. And I'm like, okay, but like, it like hit me like a ton of percent. Like, okay, I do want that. But like, how do I... I have to rejuggle the like things now and like figure out how I'm going to allow myself to have that and yeah. not feel like I'm giving up my career for yeah. something else that I also equally want. And like the balance yeah. thing and like your peers, like we are kindred spirits in that sense. I I'm with you a hundred percent. And that. you have time. You're still so young. You're 25. Like there's so much time that you have. And it's like, you date, you do those things in your younger years, you get your experience, you grind it out. And then, I mean, even if you're like, in, even if you turn 30, you still have time. I'm 35. So take it from me. <laughs> you have time. I knew you so were a little time. older than me, but I did not know you were 35. Wow. You look great. I know. I look really young. It's the it, Latina in us. We always is. just uh, always going to just look young forever, which I love for us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel, and I, I think that's where I'm at, where now not only do I have the mental, emotional clock, I have a physical clock that it's like, you know, but then I, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't know if you believe in God or the universe, but what's for you is for you. You're on this journey. Like there's no, there's no right or wrong way. There's no regrets that I have. Everything is a learning experience. And now I'm in a point where I'm focusing on family life. Like I do want a partner. I do want to have a child. I do want to get married. I do want all those things. And so I'm shifting my energy there and just being open to what the universe has for me, whether it's what I thought it was in my head or something else, just being truly open 
And, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends that are like freezing their eggs and doing all those things, which is really taxing on the body. And I'm like, do I want to do that? Like, I don't really know. Like, I don't know if I want kids. And I think at the end of the day, just, and and this I found really helpful, like take time to meditate and pray and just like take time to calm the mind and just be with your thoughts and see where you feel called to. Right. So for me, it was like going back and forth on like freezing my eggs. And I was like, you know what? I believe that God has a plan for me. And whether that's with children naturally or with help or adoption, there's so many ways, whether it's now, whether it's later, whether it's in five years, like it's for me. If it's for me, it's for me. If it's not, it's not. And I'm not going to go crazy about trying to figure it out and make my life fit this mold that I saw that at the end of the day was unrealistic. Like I thought at 25, I was going to be married with kid, like with maybe a kid. Me, I was never that kid. Like it's, it, I was going to talk about this yesterday with my best friend and like, I'm having this conversation a lot. I was never that kid. And mm-hmm. both of my parents are, I mean, they've been together since they were 15, which is absolutely insane, but they Aww. are both career driven people and they have their own careers and they have taken turns who goes for the promotion, who goes yeah. to the next role. Like they have my entire life taken ro- turns on that. I love that. And they have really supported each other. And so I grew up knowing I wanted it all. And knowing that I can't have it all at once, but that I can have it because my parents yep. don't. Yep. And I just started realizing, I was like, okay, like I, I, but I need to make time for it and I need to allow it in. And I obviously wasn't allowing it in. And then yeah. the other side of that is like, that it takes a very special man to be, oh, like my, both my parents are alphas. They take turns being alphas. Like I'm yeah, a yeah. female. I need also an alpha male. And like being that who isn't supportive of my ambition and my careers and my dreams and my goals and has their own. And then the weekend allowed to do together. Like that's, that's a lot. That's a hard thing to ask for. And like, I need to start. My thing is I've just been very closed off from it because I thought that I needed to put my career first because I was never the kid. Like my parents did not tell me that one day my Prince Charming was going to come in a white, a night in China. I was never that kid. Yeah. And yeah. Which and is like, great. and I told my dad, I was like, I'm mad at you for it because I honestly, like I've all, I've been hyper independent since I was a child, which is not good. It's okay to be independent. That's a good thing. Hyper independence, not so much. So I'm like, I'm mad at you, but I'm also grateful that I, you taught me to be self-sufficient and like, I, I can do everything that I need to be able to do. Yeah. by myself I just don't want to have to do it by myself and I yeah. think the first time in my life like now at 25 now that you know I'm I have more time on my hands and I even though I'm a business owner even though I'm a lawyer I have more time on my hands now than I've ever had because I'm not in school for the first time in 22 years mm-hmm. that it's like okay like I can let go and like trust the process and it's gonna happen and it's okay and like the the the, the freaking out started and I'm like okay I need to like take a step back clearly like I have a lot more work on myself that I need to do than I thought yeah, yeah. um even though I've been and doing don't freak out. work for so long oh I, yeah. I'm in the middle of don't freak out I've had <laughs> like honestly the quarter life crisis thing I've had like I had four of them in my 20s so oh, I have one I've had one every year for <laughs> yeah so you're you're fine I think it's like don't freak out you have time and I think we feel like we just don't have time we're like, we like always in a rush and it's like you have time And also like all, like to your point, like, it's good that I'm also super hyper independent and it dating has been hard for me because I was like, I got it. I don't need a man. I don't need a man. 
And it's like, no, but I do want a man. And also That's I do thing, want it's like the wanting part, but like, it's yeah. like I almost didn't allow myself to want one. And then it, when it, it like hit me like a ton of bricks recently, I was like, okay, but like, I actually do want one. So now I have to yeah. like, let like allow let it that to in. happen yeah. and like that that's that's more what's scaring me um yeah. it's so funny that you can relate to this um and I think that's something that people don't talk about is like that like Instagram is a highlight reel we don't show everything going back to like, the very beginning like keeping things private like these are the things that we keep private because while they're important conversations to have one they're hard they're scary mm-hmm. and like they're private. Like that's not something that you want. You don't want to invite everyone's opinion, but being able to have these conversations is so important. Just why I love having them on the podcast. Um, cause I feel like it's such a, a lot more conducive environment to having them, but it's just like, people don't talk about that with entrepreneurship of like that. We are humans at the end of the day. We are not machines. We are not just taking pretty pictures and videos and sharing our lives. Like there's real life happening. And that's something that like I tell people that I mentor with law school and the bar exam. And like, I had to tell myself while I was in that place in my life of like, life doesn't stop because of X role or X school or X, whatever your phase of your life you're in, like life keeps happening. You're a human and it's okay to make mistakes and like, you know, get up and brush yourself off and try again. And like, we don't talk about that nearly enough of how, especially as women in entrepreneurship, and then obviously being women of color too, and like navigating family life and like the cultural things and like all of that. It's just, there's so much that people don't talk about. And I think I'm glad that that was like what you said of like that being the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur, because that has been it for me, but not a lot of, I mean, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and have a lot of friends that do it and that's never what they say. So <laughs> it feels oh, really cool to like connect with someone who, who that yeah. same thing as me. I feel like, yeah, we have a lot in common, even more. Like I knew we had a lot in common, but like even more so, but what's the best part about being an entrepreneur in the last four years and seeing your business grow? Um, I just think the impact that I've had on the creators, like I've helped some of our girls, like mostly girl, female creators, um, make their first six figures. That for me is like, I remember when I hit my first six figures, I was like over the moon. And I think it's like helping them make the money for them to like live their life and support their families like that for me is super fulfilling like that's probably like the best part and just the freedom that I have now to pick up and travel and live wherever and go wherever I think now obviously with like remote work environment like you have that flexibility now so I feel like those are probably like the best things about what I do for me it's that impact like I literally on my vision board it says my goal is to make an impact while making an income and Mm -hmm like it's all for me about travel and like exploring new things and experiencing the world um so I'm with you on that too for anyone who is wanting to become an entrepreneur there may be where you were you know at the agency like okay I have this idea or not even they don't even have the idea yet but they're like okay like I know this isn't fulfilling me and I know that I want to start my own business and I you know but I don't know quite what it is going to be yet where do you what what's some advice you have for someone like that? I think it's like always start a side hustle. Whatever it is that you want to do or you think you want to do, start doing it on the side as a hobby. See if you enjoy doing it. See if you catch yourself wanting to do it. Find a way to monetize it. Um, find a way to figure out, you know, can I actually make a living off of this? Um, which is like kind of what I did. Like I started on the side with like two or three clients consulting. Then I told myself, all right, if I bring on 
if I double or triple, I could probably make this amount of money. And then at this point, I could probably quit my job. So just put together a goal and a vision and like hold yourself accountable to like working towards that. Because I feel like the last thing I would ever tell anyone to do is just like quit your job and follow your dream. Like at the end of the day, we have bills to pay. People can't just do that. I don't come from, you know, a family that is super wealthy or well off. We don't come from generational wealth. I can't just, just go find myself. Like, so it's like at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to ourselves to like figure out what it is that you're passionate about. Can you create a business around it? And then if you can start doing it on the side, use your nights, use your weekends and just work towards it every day, every day. And then if you find yourself not loving it, then pivot and find something that you do love and then find a way to monetize that. Like, I think it's, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice the time that it takes to do these things. But it's at the end of the day, if you want your freedom and you want to retire at 50 or 40 or whatever it is, it's really hard to do that when you're working for a company 40 hours a week. Like you really have to find ways to create your own streams of income, whether it's real estate, whether it's your own business, whether it's, you know, content creating, like find your passion and your purpose, see if they align and monetize it. And I guess that's like the best advice I would give. Yeah, 100%, especially the pivoting part and also that you can and should have multiple streams of income. Like I never, like you said, you always like kind of saw yourself being an entrepreneur. I never saw myself being an entrepreneur. Nobody thought that I would be the entrepreneur. Everyone thought my brother would be the business, the business guy. But the more I get to know myself in the last three to four years, the more I, and like people that I've run into from college that have known me since I was 17, like they see what I'm doing now. They're like, oh, like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like I, I like I see, like I, this, I, I saw this for you. But yeah. I'm like, really? Cause I didn't. They're like, yeah, this makes like, it, it just, it was in it's, it's something that's in you. And yeah. like, I think it, you know, when you are doing the things that you're most passionate about and you were doing it on your own terms, you know, even if it's not yet successful, like even if you're still in the, the building yeah. stages, you know, like it, it shows like that passion that it's like a vibration, like a frequency thing. Like it just, it shows and it, people will gravitate to you, to you so much more. And like, it just, I feel so much more myself being an entrepreneur than if I would have been at a, a firm or a company working, you know, a 40 hour a week or probably more, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, like it's okay to pivot. It's okay to try again. It's okay to try to have multiple things. Like I, there, I have so many business ideas, so many things I want to do. And like, I want to be able to have the opportunity to do all of them. And being an entrepreneur, I am able to do that a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing also like you were talking about like generational wealth and all that, like being able to set myself up successfully for the future and retirement and, you know, having building all the plans and the systems and the processes in place. That to me is exciting and like really fun. And I can't wait to see where it goes. And like, I have that vision board. And like, I'm not, like, I think it's important to not be like, it has to happen by this time, like timelines change, things change, things get in the way, but having that vision and being flexible with it, but keeping that like goal in the forefront, like that's what got me through law school. And like, that's still what is keeping me going every day on the days that like, maybe I don't want to get up or that like something goes yeah. back and it's hard. So I think that's so important. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was amazing. Where can everyone find you? And if they are a creator and they want to work with you or if they are interested in working with you at Society 18, where can they find you? 
Yeah, so you can um, go to site18.com. It's our website or PamelaZapata.com is my website. I'm Pamela Zapata on Instagram and LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.